Someday, if Chris or Cross comes after me and says, we want our money, it's it's going to be like, okay, tell you what, let me just go back and remove them all. <laughs> Podcast Junkies, episode 107. Welcome back. Did you catch last week's episode with Karen Coppets? If you don't know the name, she's the co-host of Walking Dead cast. Jason Cabasi's co-host who we had on earlier on Podcast Junkies. This is the show where I interview all sorts of amazing podcast hosts and co-hosts such as Karen. We had a blast. Um... This is this was her first foray into podcasting when she started with Jason. She's a big fan of them, and uh, now we're going on six plus seasons of the show. So she's uh, definitely found her stride, and um, she's built up an, uh, a, f- a fan base of people who know her strictly from the show, which is interesting because, um, like I said, she's it's not something she's doing full time, but. Um, because of her personality, it shines through, and, and that's why I think it, it's such a success, because her and Jason have a unique chemistry. So check that out. I think you'll really like it if you are a fan of Walking Dead, if you're a fan of the Walking Dead cast, or you just like fun conversations. Um, you should check it out. So this week, we speak to Jonathan. I, we speak? I speak? to John, or Jonathan and I speak. Jonathan Oaks. Again, another uh, podcast movement connection. Jonathan's the host of the Trivial Warfare podcast and i thought we were going to talk about trivia stuff funny enough we talked about a whole range of things not quite trivia related uh and we get pretty deep pretty quick on some topics that are uh near and dear to his heart so i won't say too much i want to want you to discover it for yourself in this show so uh stay, stay tuned for the retention hashtag that's going to be at the end of the episode but in the meantime listen carefully and uh, enjoy the path that this conversation takes and then we'll also talk about our our sponsor for the episode uh pod funnel enjoy my conversation with jonathan depends on how good your questions are and how good my answers are i imagine <laughs> so jonathan oaks host of trivial warfare thank you so much for joining us on podcast junkies glad to be here man do you also refer to your show as if there's like a team of 10 people on it occasionally <laughs> or is it just me <laughs> no it's not just you uh it it definitely feels like a team effort even though i do most of the work well, it's funny because sometimes when we get started, we're doing this social media push and like, we're so happy to have and then we can't wait to talk to you. And, and I mean, th- I think for the majority of folks in our space, we're all solo podcasters. So I just think it's funny because I catch myself sometimes saying, that. I'm like, we, who the heck is we? I mean, I have people that do help me like with the editing and stuff, but it's, I mean, at the end of the day, if if an episode does or does not go out, that is totally on me. You know, for me, I do have a we, um, I have hosts that come in and I have regular players. So for, for my show, it is a we in terms of who people are used to hearing, but it's definitely a me in terms of who's doing the work. (laughs) (laughs) So is this your first podcast? It is. Yes. And what the heck possessed you to start one, even after you, you figured out how much work is going to be. 
you know, it's funny. I, uh, the first podcast I ever listened to was a fantasy football podcast that Jay Soderberg used to run uh, fantasy focus for ESPN. Right. And then I stopped listening to that. And for a couple of years, I think I didn't listen to another one. And when I finally uh, was reintroduced to them, it was by a friend who was saying, Hey, there's this cool trivia podcast. You like trivia. You'll, you'll like this. And it was called good job brain. And it's a good show. I enjoy it. And so I started listening to it and I binge listened to like 80 episodes wow. of it and got caught up currently with it. This was a few years back. They're, they're at like 300 episodes now or something like that. Um, and there was one thing that left me kind of high and dry with it, even though I liked it. And that's that it wasn't a competition. Mm. And so for trivia, there are, two different ways that people do their shows. There's a, there's a, Hey, let me introduce you to interesting facts kind of things like stuff you should know is a popular show yeah. like that. Yeah. Right. A lot of people like that. Um, but I grew up playing quiz bowl games in high school and playing trivial pursuit with my family and watching jeopardy and playing trivia games at restaurants and bars. And I was good at it. And so me and my friend Chris play, have played trivia games at restaurants and bars for 10 years. Wow. And a lot of times we'll get free dinners out of it because we do well, right? And so we go back and we play again and we win more dinners. Nice. And so I wanted something that recreated that. And I looked, I searched, I listened to a bunch of different shows. And I got to be honest, man, there wasn't a lot of quality in the space that where it gave me the experience I was looking for that reminded me of the feeling I got when I would play real games. Right. And so I realized that's what I should do. I could do this better than anybody. I know exactly what I'm looking for. I know the sound I want. I know the atmosphere. I know the, the camaraderie and all of that. And so I decided if nobody else is going to do what I want to hear that I could do what I wanted to hear. And so that's what possessed me to create the show. <laughs> well, there's so many great things to tease out of that because for people that are just getting started and they think about the fact, well, there's already a podcast of that topic in my space. What you're pointing out and what I think is just really, really important to always keep in mind is that you can always add your specific flavor to it. And that's exactly what you did. And, and you think about if you listen to enough, you can think about all the things that you would improve and then at the end of the day, you make this version of it that's your very own, that's got your stamp on it. And at, I mean, you want to record, be able to have the energy and the enthusiasm to come do this week in and week out, right? And if yes. you're if you're not doing something that's that's you know exciting you and, and that you're 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 so eager to press the record and get your friends on, then you're going to burn out and, you, and you're going to pod fade, as they say, after the first you know, seven episodes, if not sooner. You know, it's um, in the first ten episodes or so. We had the right vibe. We had the right atmosphere, but we didn't have the right game yet. And the reason for that is, so being a trivia podcast, uh, my, our, my goal is to recreate the experience of playing a pub quiz. We are One of our catchphrases is that we take the pub quiz out of the pub and bring it home to you, right? I say that on every show. And it was just me and my best friend, Chris, who and we play as a team when we go out to restaurants. And so 
we were having to write all of the questions and we were competing with each other. And so we were both simultaneously hosts and competitors at the same time. And it worked because we, we made it fun, but it didn't work in the early days because both of us would feel like the other one was writing harder questions than we were. Just to try and to stop so, you. Exactly. We were, we were both writing from what we know. And that's what a trivia question writer will do. Typically they focus on what they're good at and they write questions about it. But what I know may not be something that you're good at and what you know may not be something I'm good at. And so as a result, in our first few episodes, we were we were fun, but we were disconnected in a sense. And it really changed for us when we actually introduced a host to the show. Okay. We asked one of our favorite local hosts, Mark, who would host restaurant shows. And we said, Mark, we're doing this show here. I gave him a thumb drive and said, just listen to it. If you like it, come do it with us and you can be the host. Just use your question. You already have questions. You do them at restaurants. Yeah. Just use your old questions. And he agreed to it and he came by. And as soon as he came, the first episode from there, that's when it really turned into what I was wanting from the show. And since that was 60 episodes or so ago plus, and it really from there has grown in a lot of great ways. But that was really the big change was from where you start and then pivot just a bit in the same space, but to make it what you're looking for. And that was huge for us. Well, when you think about shows or anything we may have seen on TV that has that whole question and answer component, I mean, we all get the uh, Alex Trebek is obviously the the biggest example of, of, of a host led quiz quiz show. But even when you think about the game shows, and I think about Price is Right and Bob Barker, you know, they'd always have their card and they're reading off, and and it sort of adds this this sense of like formality to like you know if everyone was just shouting questions at each at each other, which I'm I'm sure that's what it was like in the beginning. It, it doesn't have the <laughs> same like um officialness if that if that's what, if that's the word of like someone actually okay um keeping everyone in check and it's like okay time you know time's running out and, you know you need some sort of referee persona if you will to just to, to just add that polish i think you i agree wholeheartedly it also helps people to play along hmm. so when when um my cat literally just bit my thumb as it was hanging down underneath my desk. Thanks a lot, Rambo. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> um, I guess you could say he drew first blood. Uh, he did. That was bad. Um, I've had a lot of feedback from people who, in fact, we when we post the show in our group, we ask people to tell us how they did, and they post their scores. They literally follow along nice. with score sheets I like and that. take their scores by each question. And having a host let them do that where they're competing with both of us to see how good they are compared to us. And before we had a host, they weren't really able to do an even competition because we they would be like, okay, am I competing against Jonathan on his questions mm. today or am I competing against Chris on his questions yeah. today? So with the host, we're all playing the same game. It's really interesting because I always, we were just talking, so funny that you mentioned that because pre-show we were talking about this PDF I'm working on as a handout for listeners, but you have this built-in like engagement and participation with your audience and you can, uh, and you can say like follow along with the, with the, with the questions or, you know, however you do the handouts. And that's really genius because, you know, what, what more 
engagement can you have than to have them listening and following along with something that you know either you've provided or or, or you know they've taken time to jot down from a, like a Facebook post or something like that. But I think that's yeah. genius in terms of interactivity. You know, it's uh, I can't lay claim to the genius. It just happened to be something that people wanted, right? So so a lot of my quote unquote genius ideas come from people asking for them. This is one of those, right? It was um, after we had created a group. And so we have a Facebook group where a, a lot of people who want to be more engaged with the show and with each other um, could participate. And one of those reached out to Chris because apparently I was uh, too scary. I was the intimidating one. So he reached out to Chris <laughs> and he's like, Chris, it'd be really great if you guys would like put something out there that let people know they could share their scores and, and do. And so it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, we just did it one day and it got 30 something responses and, and people were then competing with each other too. It's not now it's not just us. It's, Oh, well, yeah, but Mike in North Carolina just did that or Russ in Illinois did that. And so now they know each other. And they're playing along like that as well. So it really, I can't take credit for it, but as soon as they're engaged in it, it's awesome. It, it It's just a great way to, to be a part of something. It's totally awesome. And, and I'm sure it's grown from the 30 that originally requested it. <laughs> you know, we started that group. I was scared to start that group, Harry. I, I in fact, I delayed on it. So the first person... I went to New Media Expo in April of 2015. We're in 2016, right? Yeah. yeah April 2015 in, in Las Vegas. Okay, I was there. Okay, so I was there too. And I went to a session where, um, actually, I mentioned Jay earlier. Um, Jay Soderberg was a panel member. And he said, you need to build a badass clubhouse. That was his <laughs> quote. He said, if you give people a place to hang out and to participate and to be a part of your show, they'll do everything for you. You just have to create it for them. And I remember that clearly because I'm a trivia guy thinking, well, okay, that makes sense. I could do that. But I only had, at the time, I had 300 listeners, 200 listeners, something like that. And how much engagement are you going to get? Like 10%, maybe five. Am I going to do this with a room of 10 people? And then they can all see how pathetic I am because we only have 10 listeners. There's no way I'm doing a group. If there's only going to be 10 people in there, I'll feel like an idiot. If it's, what if I'm the only one yeah. there? <laughs> I, guess that's somewhere. So I didn't do it. And then um, did podcast movement that year and got the similar advice from different people and still didn't do it. I didn't open it until, end of the year, like November or December of last year. Wow. And I started it by inviting uh, people I was friends with from my own page, you know, and there was maybe 50 people with probably 20 that were interacting. And since then it's grown to what we are at 308 right now. And well, <laughs> I freaking love it. It's amazing. Cause I, I welcome everybody um, each week as they join. Yeah. And now we're getting Jeopardy contestants no who way. are joining the group. Yes, uh, who are joining the group and champions. And we're it, it just continues. It's been just continuing to grow. And all of a sudden, in the same way that 
I engaged with the podcasting community, you know, podcasters, and we get to know each other and we have our own little tight knit group of people. There's a trivia community out there. And because we're the hosts of this show that people are discovering and liking, we're getting invited into these other circles. And that's amazing. These are, these are experiences that don't even make any sense to me from two years ago. And now I know I'm jumping all over the place, but it's fun, right? Um, last week I was in North Carolina because I had listeners invite me to North Carolina and they said, Jonathan, we have a national tournament that's on Sunday. It's a team trivia tournament. So it's a bar quiz kind of place. You have limits of six people per team. There's 300 and something teams and a $10,000 grand prize. We have one spot left on our team. We want you to come up and be our last member. Wow. And I'm like, I, I had fantasy football drafts I had scheduled. I had all kinds. That was, this was one of my busiest weekends of the year. And I dropped everything. And I was like, my listeners are inviting me to go play a game with them. We're going to do it. And I literally brought my whole setup. My, my, I don't have a laptop, my desktop computer, my monitor, my giant mixer, the whole, I brought microphones for everybody. And, and so my whole truck was filled up with stuff and we recorded shows on wow. Friday night when I got there and Saturday morning and then did the competition the next day. And it was just this amazing experience because the listener engagement was such where we're friends from them listening to the show and then engaging in the group that I was scared to open because there might not be enough people. That's how, that's how powerful those relationships can can become where you really are friends with folks and it's real relationships just off of providing that opportunity for them to talk to you. That's an amazing story. And just another reminder of not overthinking it when we think about these things, like, you know, cause you, you were saying you were worried about what if no one comes, no one signs up. And it's like when we podcast first, like, what if I record an episode, no one listens to it, and I'm not getting any downloads, No, or you start a blog, and no one's visiting my blog, but I mean, seriously, Jonathan, we all got to start somewhere, and yeah. I think, and if if the sooner we start, the sooner we work through the, the, the hiccups, and you know, any problems that we might have with people signing up or not finding the show, so then by the time momentum does build, you've got all those things worked out, and it's like a smooth process, like you said, you're, you're welcoming people that are coming to the group, I've got a small group uh, called Podcast Junkies Junkies, which is in Facebook. Yep. And I do that. I, I record videos. And and I think it's just a fun way, a, a nice way to to have the fans group. I think every single podcast, without a doubt, should have its own group, whether, like you said, you start off with the 10, but eventually, you know, they help you with ideas and, and invite you to cool stuff like that, that, like that uh, contest that you went to. But I'm wondering how your team did. <laughs> I'm so frustrated. Uh, I feel bad because... The the team that invited me, they won last year. Ooh. They won first place last year. And there's, so, no, there's nowhere to go from there. <laughs> I know. One of their team members left. And so they invited me and we finished 12th. Mm. Uh, it was like 350 teams. We finished 12th. So it's, I mean, it's a really good performance. We are one of the best teams in the country, but we were out of the money. And so at the same time as being proud of what we did, we were all very disappointed in what we did. 
<laughs> is that like I wonder like in spelling bees like the kid will never forget the word that he got wrong is it the same case with, with something like this like what was the question that they asked and you're like oh man I should have known that you know what the the one there are a few that stick out but the one that's going to stick out to that team more than any other I think it, the question was um, what is the most populous state in the United States that does not have a major league baseball team Ooh. And so first it's, it's a multi-part question, right? You have to figure out which states don't have baseball teams and then you have to try and rank them by population. Wow. I so, I, I don't, it would take me some time and I'd probably be editing out a lot of silence in this episode <laughs> if I tried to it, think about it. <laughs> welcome to my trivia show, by the way. Uh, people tell me all the time, Jonathan, you should hire somebody to do your editing. It, it's not that big a deal. They can do it. And I, I, I believe that that's true for most people, but I have a lot of intricacy with silence. What pieces of their thought process do I include? What pieces of their thought process do I cut out? Do I offend them if I cut this thing that they set out? There's a lot of that's stuff right. there just based on that. But so the answer to that question, the reason that it was memorable, it came down to two states for us. We said it's either going to be Virginia or North Carolina. Okay. Guess where everybody lived? North Carolina. I went up. This was in Charlotte, North Carolina, yeah. where we were. So that's where they lived. And we went Virginia, and it was North Carolina. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> that won't stick in the craw for a while. I'm just looking around. I'm like, you guys didn't know that? Seriously? <laughs> you live here, right? <laughs> that's pretty. That's a pretty embarrassing way. Was, was it? Uh, were you eliminated at that point? Was it? Was, no, okay. it's not an elimination game. Okay. It's a. It, it's a Scores, total right? score at yeah. the end. Yeah. So, uh, have all the episodes been the trivia format, and or have you broken any where you just you do something that's not the trivia, or or you've had a guest on? We have broken format a couple of different times. It's always. Well, actually, no. It's almost always trivia related. So there's been a couple of different games, right? There's been a two-person head-to-head game, which was what we started with. And then there was a hosted game with two people competing and one host. There was a situation that um, impacted me personally. Well, it didn't impact me personally, but it had grabbed my heartstrings. Uh, And this was somewhere around episode 30-something. And there was a young child in our area whose family was in our area and his name was Eli and he had been in the hospital for months and months and months and his parents were out of money and he was in a life-threatening situation for all of these months and he kept on surviving and kept on, he, he had struggles, but he was doing good, right? And there was a fundraiser for him and a fundraiser for their family. And I reached out to the people organizing it and said, Hey, I would like to interview um, his father and we could use this to raise awareness and hopefully raise money. And so I did that. And that was uh, the, I think the name of the episode was called black tie for Eli. Hmm. Uh, and it was an interview with his father about everything they'd gone through so that it could pull on other people's heartstrings. And unfortunately, uh, a week after we did the interview, Eli passed away. Wow. And so then I had the decision of what do I do with this episode? Do I air it? 
do I? And so I, I, through different channels, I asked if it was because they were still doing the fundraiser. I mean, these people need the money. So I asked what's the appropriate thing to do here. And I got the okay to air it. And I'm really proud of it because I'm not an interviewer. Uh, I'm a, I'm just a goofball. Right. But I have a, I mean, I have a background in communications and so I did my best to interview him and I edited the hell out of it. And I'm really proud of that show, but that's the only time I've ever done something totally not trivia. We've had bonus episodes that were different. They were, they were how fast can you answer something from a box of cards that somebody gave us kind of stuff. But most of the time, it's pretty standard format, and we just mix up who we bring in, and and we we have a lot of listener interaction now, where they will join us, and we'll have listeners be on the team for the game uh, and do that kind of stuff. So, but it's mostly the same game usually. So first off, that is an amazing story. I think that's a, a an admirable and honorable thing that you did. And I think it just speaks to who you are as a person. And it's one of the reasons why I love having these types of conversations, because you can understand a lot about how a person, um, what a person is like, even even in a short conversation like this, from some of the actions that they take. And and I'm wondering, like, what what it was about that situation that really spoke to you? Um, Was it just that it was making, like, the the news in your area um, a lot? Or it's just something that, that you think is in your, in your nature? Uh, two answers to that. First, I, so I have a couple of friends who are really um, passionate about causes. And so I would see this, this updates on this situation come across my Facebook feed regularly, every week, if not multiple times a week. And I was avoiding it and I didn't want to look at it because I knew it was going to be something that was either asking for my money or asking for my time or something that would hurt my, hurt my soul just because I knew it'd be sad and I don't like being sad. So I tried to avoid it a lot of times. And so it just kept coming across and kept coming across and there were always different things. And finally one day, because I respect the person who was sharing this stuff one day, I just finally decided, you know what? I've seen this probably 80 times now. What is it? And so I clicked on it. And I saw their little video and I read the story and I just started crying sitting at my computer because it was so moving. The situation was right. And it was moving to me because of reason number two, I have a three-year-old child Mm. and Eli was three years old. And so I'm, I am empathizing with the situation and realizing these people, uh, this kid was totally normal for the first two, two and a half years of his life. And then all of a sudden he has some, a situation that happens and they take him to the hospital for it. And the hospital does a few tests and realize that he has a life threatening condition. They went from totally normal to hospitals for the rest of his life out of the blue. And that I'm thinking about me and I'm thinking about my Sebastian and I'm thinking about what would I do and how does this relate? And at that point, as soon as I finally read it, I knew it would impact me and I avoided it and finally I let it. And once I hear a story, I, I think this happens for a lot of people. Once you are engaged in it, you, it's hard to let it slide by if you think you have the ability to do something. And so having having a platform such as it was at the time, but I had a bigger voice 
than most of the other people who were watching this story. And so if I chose not to use it, then that, that would, that would make me feel bad about myself, I guess. Yeah. It's really interesting because it's this whole, you know, we, we think sometimes what we're doing is not providing any value. And then situations like this arise and we, and we think initially we think, you know, what can I do to help this kid? You know, it's just like, oh man, like I'm just, I'll, I'll like it, you know, or I'll love the post and maybe I'll donate, you know, like a hundred bucks. And then like the, you know, the, the idea goes off in your head, like, wait a minute, like I do have a platform and all podcasters, you know, I don't care how recent the show is, you know, if you've got 10 listeners, you got 10 more listeners, probably you're then, and, and that platform that's bigger than, you know, what your neighbor has or what your coworker has. So it can grow from there to the millions, obviously, but the gamut in between is something where even if you had the opportunity to have one more person hear it than normally would if it's if it was just you without the podcast you know the fact that we that we recognize that and we do more with that i think i don't think enough podcasters do it and i think they're ho- they'll hopefully get inspired because obviously this is a show about podcasters so there's a lot of podcasters listening and i think you guys really need to take you know Jonathan's words to heart because I think we lose sight of that sometimes. And we think, you know, you think your show is just, oh, pure entertainment, you know. And and, and I had no right. idea we were going to even cover this topic topic which <laughs> is aw- which, <laughs> which is awesome, but that's, you know, that's typical podcast junkies because we're just like we're people who have like families and feelings and causes and passions and then we podcast, you know. So I can't imagine there's not a podcaster out there that always tries to like uh have his personality come through in the things that he that he does and he builds a relationship with his listeners and as such he feels like you know when he wants to ask a favor and say hey can you guys support this cause for me i'd, I'd really appreciate it he knows that they're you know like you know like they're going to go to bat for you they're going to listen to yeah. you and they're going to support you and I'm, and I'm sure you saw that in the reception to the episode i 100 percent did uh, and i can tell you that it was actually a challenging decision for me to to use the space, right. Uh, to put it in my feed because it is really awkward. You look back at my history and it's here are 80 something trivia shows and one heartbreaker and, and it doesn't fit at all. And it was a decision of the, am I going to alienate people? Is this going to be received well? And then you think about it and you realize, you know what, who cares? Uh, this is the right thing to do for this situation. Let's totally. just do the right thing. Yeah. And I tell I tell people all the time, hey, it's your show, and you should be willing to test things. If you can't test things out on your own show, I mean, where else are you going to do it, right? <laughs> because yeah. you know, do you bring you know, like you said, everything with the format, the the duration of the episode, uh, from a five minute to an hour long episode, what you want to talk about, who you want to bring on. I had someone on who wasn't a podcaster early on, and. Her name was Brandy Shea, um, and she was just traveling the world, interviewing entrepreneurs, traveling the U.S. In, their, in her car with her husband, interviewing entrepreneurs. And I met her at the first podcast movement. And I just, they were having a Kickstarter because they needed money to travel across the U.S. And just they were just raising money. And I was like, uh, you know, it wasn't as serious a situation as, as Eli's, but I was like, she's not a podcaster, but I don't care. I just want her to come on and hopefully if I can, you know, get her over the finish line. Cause I, I really admired what she was doing. And, and I think I, as you know, I just really want to think about doing more things like that because as the show grows, you know, there's not your, your loyal listeners are going to stick with you. And I'm sure yes. your loyal listeners, 
stuck with you and, and you probably got more feedback or more positive feedback than you even thought you might have gotten. I I definitely didn't see any kind of drop off. There was nothing to worry about in terms of that, right? I think that there in fact there were two episodes where I got a specific piece of feedback. Um we did go off of script one other time where for podcast uh, international podcast day last year. Yeah. And we we're doing it again this year where we recorded last year an episode with me and Chris and I can't remember I think we might have had one other person in the room and we just talked about the show and how it started and what we were experiencing and just gave fans an inside look uh, behind the scenes of the show. And so we've done that. We've updated it to do it again for this year. And we're going to release it on international podcast day. Mm -hmm. Both of the episodes, Eli's show and that show, I got feedback from people who knew me personally, who said, you know, Jonathan, these were really good for you because it lets people see your personality beyond the game uh, in the game. I intentionally have taken on a slight, a, just a slight one, but a bad guy character where I am. I'll pick on the opponent a little bit. I'll make a joke here or there. I'll act cocky. Uh, and I was on a good winning streak for a while. So it really fit together well. And as a result, um, we had listeners who gravitated towards Chris, the good guy on the mm. show and wanted to see Chris win. And every week they'd try, they'd want to see Chris win. Right. But at the same time, I can't be too bad because you don't want to turn them off. They know you're the host of the show. Uh, but so those episodes, according to people who know me said, Jonathan, your real personality got to come out and people got to realize who you are. And that will go a long way towards them accepting who your character is. Yeah. It, almost like seeing, I don't know if you ever watched wrestling, but seeing like Mick Foley or Stone Cold Steve Austin doing charity work out of character, right? And you see who they are for a second and you say, you know, that's a pretty cool thing. And no matter what stupid thing they're doing in the ring now, you're more accepting of them as a person. Yeah. Yeah, it really fleshes you out. Um, and so you're not so one-sided. And, and, yeah. and I think it, because I imagine like people, your friends, friends who know you and who've known you for years, you know, they know you as just this well-rounded, lovable guy. And so well, I, let's not go that far now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason that I chose to be the bad guy. <laughs> Don't you have people like, uh, did I hear that they have to sing a song to you if they lose? Uh, there is, uh, that for a long time, we haven't done it a lot recently because we've had a lot more handicap matches um, to make the show more competitive. But for a while, you had to say, that's another win for Jonathan <laughs> if you lost to me. And there were, I mean, it was a lot of times in a row, right? It was enough to where my opponent, who was also supposed to think of a thing that I had to say, yeah. didn't win enough to ever have to come up with the thing that I had to say. <laughs> where does, so where does this passion for trivia come from? I mean, how, and how, how far back does it go? It goes really far back. Um, as a kid, I was a nerdy kid, not athletic, not popular, all your, all your, stereotypes of a nerdy kid growing up which who are and, by the way who are all popular and they're all the cool kids now <laughs> right exactly 
at the very least, they're typically making good money. So they got that going for them. Um, And so I, I believe that each person in their life has to find something that they can be good at. And that's the thing they can be proud of. And that helps them get through their, their young life and their, even their uh, life as an adult. And for me, the thing that I knew I was good at is I was smart and I could hang my hat on being smart. And I was, I ended up being a jerk about it because I wasn't well-rounded. And so I was smart and I made sure everybody knew it. Right. Yeah. But the, one of the ways to prove you're smart that people can't argue with is winning at trivia. Mm-hmm. And so I can remember I, uh, every year at Christmas, my family would get together at my grandparents' house and there'd be big trivial pursuit games and they wouldn't let the kids play. And so for years I would be jealous and I'd be outside playing with my cousins and having a good time, but I always wanted to play in that game. And finally, when I was like 15 or 16, I, uh, I got to play and I just cleaned up. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was the greatest feeling. It, it, it's, Oddly enough, fast forward, it's come full circle. Fast forward now, I don't play many trivia board games with, uh, in fact, with the family. I ended up, I had an experience where I joined a game in the middle and just started running off answers. And it kind of ruined the game for everybody who was Mm. playing because they had been having a fun game until I came along and just kind of did it. Dominated. And I realized at that point, after it was over, I didn't have any fun. They didn't have any fun. Their emotions changed. And it was like, you know what? That's, that's, I shouldn't do that anymore. And so I started shying away from doing it. Uh, but I always, you know, you watch Jeopardy and I've always, it's, even as a kid, I was watching Jeopardy in high school. I was doing competitive brain brawl. I lettered at high school. I lettered two years in brain brawl. Yes. I had my, I went to Lee high school. I had my big L. And what was it? I, I think they put like academic symbols, like a, like a graduate's hat and a scales or something. They should have put a, a picture of a brain yeah, <laughs> right, I think right there on the, on the letter. That would have made sense. Uh, so I think that it truly, uh, my, my, my memory is good for, for long-term knowledge. I like fitting information together and that's how it sticks for me. So that's just always who I was going to be by nature, but the nurture of it was truly trivia was a way I could prove myself to people. And so I latched onto it. And as an adult, once you've kind of, once you've kind of developed who you are, it just stayed as a love. You know, what's funny is I'm a child of the eighties and there's a bit of a renaissance going on with, you know, stranger things. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the get down is a bit earlier, but it's still as what, what it was growing into hip hop, you know, is that, that was around for me as well. But from a game perspective and toys, it was all like cabbage patch kids, uh, trivial pursuit, uh, and all the stuff that, that happened. And I don't know that it happens as much now, but it was just like, Everyone you knew had it, and everyone you yes. knew had to buy it, and you had to have like the different editions, and and just like it was so crazy because it was like a it was just like a trivia game. But I don't know what it was about the timing is that maybe all the the gaming consoles still weren't there yet, so there was still that that ability to enjoy something that was hands on. And, and I grew up with Monopoly and Life and Sorry and Trouble and Hungry Hungry Hippo and like like all <laughs> all those games. So I, I think you know the, the, there was a. a a tactile ability to like 
move play with these pieces and the cards and all that it was it was just so funny that it was a, such a huge wave and i'm i'm wondering if if that's how you remembered it as well uh, as you were saying that you know what came to my mind immediately garbage pail kids oh yeah yeah yeah. do you remember garbage pail kids I do. oh my god <laughs> those when you said cabbage patch kids i'm like garbage pail kids immediately uh i definitely think of board games as a family thing and family for me is early 80s and and mid 80s for sure um i do remember i, I well there's a story about me um that my mother will tell and she says that they played the game concentration with me when I was three years old. Mm. Concentration is the one where you have tiles that match each other and you flip them over and lay them out on the floor. And so you flip one over and you have to remember where the matching piece was. Right. And she tells me that she's like, Jonathan, as a three-year-old, you won every game. Wow. And, and, I so I've, as an adult, I've said, yeah, but you guys had to. I mean, I was three. I have a three-year-old now, so I know what the mentality is. You guys had to be letting me win, and and you can't. There's no way I was winning as a three-year-old. And she's like, no, you. Every time you saw something, you never forgot where that stupid thing was. And so, like I said, it's kind of from a nature perspective. I'm just wired to do that, uh, and and so. It's it's fun to make use of it, as opposed to just letting it fly. Put your superpower to use, <laughs> right? So that so that explains a bit about the trivia background. So now you could be a trivia buff your whole life, but never have the the itch to start your own podcast or to or to get on stage or to talk publicly about this this trivia love that you have. So. What was it that made you want to get uh, a microphone and and actually put yourself out there more in the public with this with this superpower? <laughs> Let me turn that question around on you for a second because I know what my answer is, and I'll, I'll share it with you, of course. But did you before you became a podcaster? Did you ever dream of being like a radio star or a talk show host or anything like that? Uh, I, I started acting for three years. Okay. Okay. So yes, you had a, you had the idea of being on stage at the very least, right? At at the very least. I can remember wanting to be the next Rush Limbaugh at one point. Um, This was when I was probably, this was, this had to be around 1999, 2000 ish, because I had, I had a full-time job and I asked for a time cut down to 20 hours a week and I started working at the radio station part-time um, as I was 20-something, 20 22, 23-ish. Maybe older than that. Maybe 25 or 26. Um, and so I started working for the radio station part-time doing board ops. And so that bo- the board ops person is the person who is pulling up the volumes, switching from tracks, adding background music, playing the commercials, all of that stuff. And I would also do remote location setups and breakdowns. And I got into it because a part of me said, Jonathan, you're interesting and you're opinionated and your opinions are better than most of the stuff you hear. And so you should be the one who's getting paid to share your opinions. You know, so I've, I admit I've always been cocky slash confident. I've always, that's, I've always wanted to be humble and I try my darndest, uh, but 
I always come off like a big jerk because, <laughs> because I think these things about myself. And so I thought I could do it if they'd ever give me a chance. Right. And so I, I always had that in my background and I was comfortable with electronics. You know, the yeah. same kind of stuff we have on our mixers is the same thing that you're using at the radio station. It's just bigger and, and more complex at the radio station. More expensive. Yes. But I wasn't intimidated by it at all. When I saw the equipment and saw the mixers and the, and the pots and the, this and that and the other, I'm like, Oh, I remember that. Uh, and so there was never any barrier to entry there. I was always, I always thought that my voice was interesting, that, that I had something to say if people would listen to me. And I was technically savvy enough to be comfortable with the idea of doing the equipment setup breakdown and all of that. Then it was just a case of, I never, I never thought of podcasting as an outlet like that until it met my passion. Hmm. And so the passion part of it, the, Hey, there's trivia shows out here that aren't what you want to listen to and you could do better. You should do better. Then that triggered the, Hey, and you kind of like the idea of people looking up to you. You kind of like the idea of people listening to you play trivia and thinking how good you are. You know, that there's that, that, yeah, of course thing in the back of your in mind uh obviously i never vocalized those things but that is a piece of it right and so those two things really merged well with my past experiences and kind of what i imagined i would be someday and that's how it came together i think i believe the kids call it a humble brag now <laughs> don't think there's anything <laughs> humble about that one <laughs> well that's great because it's almost like these, this mix of all of these passions and all these things that, that make you who you are and, and make you interesting and, and, and get you excited because you're like, okay, this hits the trivia button and this hits the my love of technology button and this hits the me, you know, liking to express my opinion every now and then and knowing, you know, there's a good chance I'm going to be right. <laughs> and so like this, this fine mix and they, they all came together with the podcast and with the show and it's so, it's so fun to hear the story because it feels like you you were literally made to have a podcast about trivia because of your life experiences. It's, I wonder if it's true. I, I can tell you this. Um, since I've been podcasting, it has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. And I, I'm not exaggerating <laughs> at all. I've told people and, and if it wasn't going well, maybe it wouldn't be the same. But with it going well, it hits every motivation switch in my entire body. There's positive feedback loop. There's people thinking that you're smart. There's people thinking that you sound good. There's popularity. There is the ability to learn new things, to play trivia, to express yourself. All of these things, literally, if you were to line up something and say, Make something that that will make this person happy. This might be the thing that they came up with. Yeah. And I I really can't even begin to express how the feeling of doing the work to build the show and to grow the show and edit and all of that, right? I put in hours and hours each week. And I've never experienced that feeling that people describe before now where they say, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I've heard that. Yeah. 
and I've worked plenty of days in my life, you know, and I, I mean, I've had a good career. I make decent money. I'm, I'm from a professional standpoint, I'm successful and every day can be a grind at work for years and years and years doing the work on this podcast, man, I stay up late every night. I skip, I have stopped watching TV. (laughs) So in fact, I'm getting worse and worse at some trivia because I don't watch TV anymore. I used to, I wrote about this once. I used to watch my favorite baseball team, the Tampa Bay Rays, every game I'd have it on the TV. Even if I was reading something, I'd always have the Rays game on. Uh, And Slowly but surely, kind of other TV would fade away, but I always had that on. And doing the show, I have better things to do now than watch TV, than go to movies. I don't even read as much, honestly, because I'm too busy trying to either make what I'm doing better or grow the next piece of what I want to accomplish. And so, and, and I'm always motivated to do it. There's never any down switch that says, I'm tired of this. I haven't gotten tired of it yet. And I've been doing it for, for what, 18, 19 months now, nonstop. And so it, I, I can really vouch for that, that saying now where you, if you really do love what you're doing, man, you want to do, you want to do the work. And I've never felt that way before. And it's the coolest feeling, man. It is so cool to feel that way. What's great about that is that energy and that enthusiasm, that channels its way into every one of your episodes. And and I'm sure that's a testament to why everyone ha- has fun when they're listening. I, I, the, the episode that I was listening to, I, I think, uh, I forgot who else was on there, but I think they were drinking because as it got progressively later, <laughs> the jokes were getting raunchier and raunchier. And, and I, was, <laughs> I found myself a couple of times just literally like laughing out loud. I think there was a uh, a Ben Carson. Was it the Brian Orr episode? The Brian, the Ben Carson joke. Uh. Yes, it was. It was Brian's brother Nathan, and he was talking about the candidates. And he said, "It. I'm just saying, if I had to lick one of the candidates' toes, it would be Ben Carson because that guy is a sexy guy." <laughs> You're like off the rails. Shows off officially off the rails. So oh, it's hilarious. That was funny. But that's this. It's what's fun is, you know, those moments put a smile on your face as the host because because you put the show together and you had you know your friends come on you have those memorable moments like almost like archived where you can just look back and you're like oh man this that, that was a nice point in time or that was that was like a, a, a great memory and i think as podcasters we're all building this archive of, you know in, in, the, in the past we'd have to have our pictures we'd look at or you know videos that we'd collect from old friends but we have dozens if not hundreds of episodes that were just like oh that was a moment in time for me now i mean my show is two plus years old yours is 18 19 months i mean a lot happens in that time and you grow as a person so even even listening to yourself is just like fascinating to do every once in a while i mentioned my son i've thought of that sometimes at some point in his life whether i'm alive or not at the time that it it happens he's going to run across this somebody's going to tell him about it and he's going to end up listening to every show, every single thing that I end up publishing. I believe my son will listen to. And by the time, even if I stop today, if you listen to every episode of this show, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what kind of person I was. Yeah. And that's a really cool thing to say. It is really cool because as you know, bits of your personality come out in different shows. 
And like you said, if someone listens to the whole range of episodes, they can start to paint the picture of who you are. And, and in a way that really allows you to, to put a show together that attracts the person that on, 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 on over the, the long journey is likes your story and likes what you're bringing week in and week out. And that's how you build a tribe. You're so right. You're, you're so right. And I'll tell you this too. It's another one of those motivational factors. You, not only are you building a tribe though, you're attracting people who like you for who you are. Mm. And that's an aphrodisiac of a sort. The idea that a people who want to spend time with you or want to be a part of what you're doing are doing it not because you've been faking something, not because you're pretending to be somebody. They're doing it because they've heard you they've heard you swear about the stupidest things and get mad about it and they still accept you and and enjoy you, right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually an advantage I think in the entertainment space and I've kind of come to believe this. I'm not I'm interested in your opinion here. Um I believe that entertainment shows are more likely to allow a personality to show and for people to be more easily invested in the show. Whereas maybe interview shows, especially the business minded shows, it's, it's a little more difficult to feel who the person is. Now, if you're a special podcaster, you're coming through regardless. I get that. I'm not taking away anything from some of the great people who are out there, but if I go and listen to a bunch of business shows or some shows like some great shows, but the lures of the world or, or the memory palaces of the world, mm. which I enjoy both shows. Right. Amazing show. But I feel like if you come listen to my show, you're more likely to be engaged by who we are. That we meaning me and the people doing the show. Yeah. And, and you're going to relate to that because we're not telling you a story. We're not trying to help you do anything. We're just having fun and we're inviting you to play along. That's so true. That's so true because, like you said, it's that whole best foot forward and, and they have probably 20, 30 minutes on these shows, these interview shows or these business shows, and they have to get their message across or, or sell their product. And you know they have to be on point and they have to be polished. And, and a lot of them do it very well. But at some point, if you go on 30 shows, you're probably going to be giving the same script every single time because you don't have so much, you don't have, you have that window for for people to know who you are, people that may have never listened to you, and sometimes you're on these huge podcasts with these great audiences, and and I guess you don't want to blow that, but I totally agree that the entertainment ones is are the podcasts where you know the the hosts or you know some of the comedy shows, the hosts are just letting their hair down, and they're just like this yep. is this is me, like literally this is me. Like if you met me in person and you hear me on the show, I'm not going to be a different person, and I can vouch for that having met you at Podcast Movement, and I mean you're the same person, so. And that's, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the show, <laughs> because I mean, I just like having conversations with people who I have a good vibe with because the listener is going to hear that, right? They're going to know like, oh, this is awkward. It seems like Harry just met Jonathan like five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want that, man. Who wants to listen to that? That, that shit is boring, man. Right. Well, it, it, interestingly, your show, I think, is different than a lot of interview shows because your format is much freer, right? So I think your personality does come across in podcast junkies because you're not trying to hit the spots and you're not trying to make a point. 
you're kind of just listening to the conversation and, and yeah. going where it takes you. Yeah. And so that emphasizes who you are for your audience, for sure. Well, I appreciate that. It's something, you know, we all learn along the way. And I had my set of questions. I had my sheet of questions in the beginning. And I was like, man, I hope I don't forget them. And what happens if I get through them too quick? And, the, and I, I have like 15 minutes to go and I don't know what to say. You know, we all worry about <laughs> stuff like that, especially interview shows, because it's just nervous. Yes. You've got another person on the other line. And in the beginning, I mean, like equipment if it doesn't sound good you're like are they going to get mad are they going to leave like they're going to see that i'm like an amateur it's like all these all this crazy imposter syndrome stuff that comes to mind but i think over time you just get like you said you know you just get more and more comfortable with it yeah definitely uh, i was asking about the different types of shows because i thought you know and you mentioned that uh the trivia contestants were coming on have you thought about at some point beginning being uh starting to interview some of those folks you know I haven't really because I honestly, I don't think that's what people are coming to the show for. Um, I've definitely thought of different ways to do the show though. Uh, We've really actually in the last 20 episodes or so, there's been a shift. We did a tournament um, in March, a March madness tournament, as a matter of fact, and it was a trivia tournament. So we had listeners, I, I've got 16 listeners from my group who volunteered to do it and put them in a bracket and had them go head to head against each other on the show to see who would come out on top, right? And some of those were great episodes, but some of those were real stinkers. And it's not their fault. They did a great job. They were competing. Nothing wrong with that, yeah. right? But some shows were fun and interesting and lively and some just weren't. And I realized if I'm bringing guests on, which I want to do, I want more voices. I want more engagement. Um, it can't just be this person being themselves um, out on an island. And so I changed two things about our format. I said, okay, from now on, I want us to have at least three people in the game, even if it's two teams. And so – and this – I know this sounds cocky. I hate this Uh, because I was the one who was winning a lot. We would add people to the opponent's team. And that's why, that's why we've had so many handicap matches recently because the third voice, even if they don't know anything is another voice on the show, which adds either tidbits of information and argument, perhaps where people are having to fight for why they think something's right. Um, It just adds a dynamic that I have found to be better than two people by themselves. Uh, and it's also taught me the lesson of I can bring people on the show. Now I've figured out the sound I'm comfortable with it, but I'm never putting them by themselves yeah. because they might be boring and I love them to death. But if they're boring, this is about entertainment, right? Totally uh, and is. so we, we've found ways around it, but now it's a Patreon reward. If you're donating at a certain level, you're coming on the show. Nice. I like that a so, lot. And people, I put it at a level of where I didn't think we'd get a lot of donations at this level. And, buddy, that's where they go. <laughs> that's a great benefit. I mean, that's so awesome. That, that I mean, people just love 
this whole idea of participation, it's like when they tell podcasters to read out the reviews because people like to hear their own voice on on the air, so to speak, especially now that people are listening to the podcast. I mean, I still get excited. I mean, if Dave Jackson mentions something about an episode, I'm like, I'm tweeting about it. I'm like, I heard you. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I heard that, that my name was mentioned. And uh, I think it's just cool, this interactivity that you're continuing to build in, into the show, which is so amazing. Um, Have you ever had somebody play a game with you on a review? Um, like like te- like tease you or do something to force you to read it no no you mean like <laughs> I the, the, that's hilarious i'd never thought so, someone would do that but maybe your show because of they, they know you guys it sort of lends itself to it but yeah that would be funny we have so i have a long-standing dislike of boston okay as a as a kid on a Boy Scout trip, our van was robbed while we were in Boston. Uh, and so we lost a lot of stuff as Boy Scouts. This is always from, I've always had that. But then as an adult, as a Tampa Bay Rays fan, I hate the Boston Red Sox and I'm not a big fan of any Boston sports. And so my people on the show, my, my listeners know this because whenever Boston comes up as an answer or a topic or anything, I bring up, I can't, I can't stand Boston. Why are we talking about Boston? And so one of our listeners who knows that I read every single review put on the review, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in, in NFL history. And uh, I, Jonathan, am going to be proud to go get married at Fenway Park or blah, 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 blah. Right. They, and I have a deal with them. If they write a review, I'm going to read it. Yeah. And so they had me saying all this really nice stuff about Boston and it made me ill. <laughs> That's a fun trick to play, especially since, you know, they know you're passionate about supporting your uh, your listeners. Absolutely. Very cool. So nice. we're at the hour mark. Time flies when you're having fun. Are we really? Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. Um, I'm interested. You, you mentioned something about ideas that you had. And I think and uh, in, in, as you think about growing the show and um, and what you're going to do to change it or improve it and uh, it was just a comment that you made earlier and i wanted to sort of dig a little bit deeper on that and wondering if you could uh tell us what you do have in mind as as uh, for the future of the show the biggest jump at some point would be to go twice a week okay i'm really interested in doing that um i there's a call for it the listeners have asked for it um I think that the show could handle it from a being entertaining without oversaturating. And I think more specifically doing it with different competitors. So we could have our prime group do the Monday show and then have listeners come on and do listeners rotating into the Thursday show, right? Or do having some variation where the second show can be the not ready for primetime version or whatever the case is, but there are ways to allow yourself to do stuff on one that you don't do on the other. And so that's kind of where my mind has been going with the future. But as long as I hold the reins on editing, (laughs) it's not going to happen. And the other thing that have you noticed, I don't know, maybe it's not true for you. It's definitely true for me, but now that I am a quote unquote podcaster and I self identify as a podcaster, I find myself always thinking about, Oh, you know what? That would be a good show, but that doesn't fit my format. I'd really like to do this other show. And so there's one I've, I've, I've already worked on the art with a great designer 
Uh, and so I have the artwork done and I've recorded maybe seven or eight hours of content and it's, it's called color bridge. Hmm. And it's, um, my, my little boy, my three-year-old is mixed race. He's half black and half white. Um, and I have this really deep seated feeling towards interracial people. And now, now being married, having been married to an African-American for seven years, no longer married, but uh, I had a much better understanding of the community and feel more compelled to try and help and to provide a space to have conversation. And so I paired up with one of my hosts, who's a black guy, who's really intelligent and we've recorded some great content and I'm trying to edit it and I'm trying to put it out and trying to, even if I just do a season of 10 episodes, I feel like it could be amazing. Even if it isn't a hit, it could be amazing as a thing that people could share to start a conversation. Right. And I'm just nowhere close to finishing it because every single doing trivial warfare takes so much energy and, and, and then if you do have a little free time, I use it to try and get ahead. You know, let me, okay, I finished editing yeah. that show early this week. Let me knock out the first 30 minutes of next week's show or do the bonus episode I've been waiting to do for the last month or two. And so I just never get the time to, to either grow that second show on Thursdays or add a different show altogether, which is something that I'm passionate about. Well, as soon as you get it out, and if you need help promoting, I'd, I'd be more than happy to help get the word out. It sounds like a, a, a like it's going to be an amazing show, and and even if there's twenty more like it, I think those are the types of conversations that you can't get enough of. They they're really powerful. Even a- after every recording, we've looked at each other and said, "Wow," because you're being honest with somebody. Yeah. You're you're talking from the heart, and you're realizing you made that assumption about white people, and that's that's just not even true. And he'll say the same thing as you thought this and you thought you knew, but you, sometimes we discover things together. Nice. And it's like, I didn't know that. Neither did I. (laughs) If I I knew, if I knew I wouldn't get in trouble with copyright, this is the part where I'd edit in ebony and ivory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. So, Hey, you avoid, you do your best to avoid using copyrighted music. Uh, there's, there's music in the beginning from a friend of mine. He would send me recommendations of indie artists and it just got to be too much work, but they're still there in the back. They're still there in the back catalog. Um, and I haven't been asked to, to put them down. I guess they're, they're not that popular because they were just, like I said, indie acts. But, uh, yeah, at some point I just figured I'm trying to do the show for the long term and Rob, Rob yeah. Walsh from Lipson was scaring the crap out of me when he was saying, they'll cut your <laughs> feet off. I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't want that. So I have tried and tried and tried, but I still have. Um, I, we added warm it up Chris from Chris Cross. Yeah, that's right. That's our entry segment, right? And it's just six or seven seconds. And it's so popular. People love just hearing that little hit. And I can't remove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, just fingers someday, crossed. Someday, if Chris or Cross comes after me and says, we want our money, it's, it's going to be like, okay, tell you what, let me just go back and remove them all. <laughs> have, you, have you not heard? I know. Well, I know one of them's yeah. passed away. I don't know which one it is. I, I so only one it. of them is going to potentially come come back. So. Yeah, probably the lawyers. Either way, if I ever make it big, that's going to be my downfall. I'll make a bunch of money and then lose it all to Chris Cross's lawyers. <laughs> Story of my life, right there. We need a uh, 
we need a, a podcast behind the mu- behind the music behind the microphone. Yeah, for real. VH1 behind the music uh, stories. So, uh, just a couple more questions. What's the one most misunderstood thing about you? Huh. I am really tough minded. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I think about raising my kid, I, I have to I have to make sure that he he's a sensitive kid, and I have to make sure that he's not too sensitive. And so I have to be tough with him in times where I'd really like to be tender, because I don't want him to be too sensitive. Um, and I've I've managed my best friend before as a manager, and so I had to be tough with him, you know, and it's comes out really easily for me to be the tough guy who says things that are very black and white, very strongly and, and, and not to give in to emotion when it comes to making decisions. So that's who I am in that regard. And yet I'm a really sensitive person. I cry at the drop of a hat, like Hallmark commercials, Publix commercials, even like the worst kids cartoon movie you've ever seen. Like, let's say it's about pound puppies or something. That moment where the puppy gets adopted and looks up at his new parents. I will cry every time. Uh, and it's just, it it's part of who I am, right? And as an adult, I've kind of gotten used to it. But really being emotionally sensitive and tender, like my boy, but having, knowing what I expect of myself and having to be tough minded and use tough words and be who I tell. If I tell you, you should do something, you rest assured that I am doing that thing. I'm, I'm never do as I say, not as I do. Um, and so I don't think anybody really understands that a lot of my closest friends know that I'm tender and that I'm loving and caring and all of that. But if you look at me from a distance, in fact, I've my best friend, Chris, who does the show with me, um, he was scared of me like the first year we knew each other. And and you, if you asked him, he would tell you, I hated Jonathan. Oh, wow. He was a big jerk, right? Because that's – it's just the thing that – that's who I was or am. Well, you are, uh, you, are, you are an imposing guy in person as well. How tall are you? <laughs> I, did, I don't mean to be. <laughs> I'm only 6'4 and some odd – very large number of pounds <laughs> <laughs> but he's a teddy bear guys so uh don't let him intimidate you and and he's always looking for a hug so if you just meet him for the first time so that's say, not say, true. Say, harry that, says that, harry says that you like hugs and just go up and, totally ra- and randomly true. hug him he will love it <laughs> <laughs> what have you changed your mind about recently i've changed my mind multiple times about the black lives matter movement um and I don't, I still haven't landed yet with it. I keep changing my mind on it. And I think that, I think that anybody who's not going back and forth in some ways is really not thinking about it all the way through. So a part of me says, listen to what people are saying. There are people being shot dead without good reason. There's a reason to protest. There is a reason to take this seriously. We need to make changes. We need to, we need for people to hear these voices in order to make change. And so I'm, I'm there, I'm right there. 
And then the next day, I'll be looking at what the people are actually doing with the movement and saying, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. You're not, you're not actually portraying the message that you are trying to portray. You're portraying a totally different message. And at the very same time, we have, we have black people killing black people at an epic rate all over the world. And we're focused on the six times it's happened with police. And so I dig deeper, right? And I go into it and this is, you may cut all this out. I don't know, but, um, I dig deeper into it and I say, okay, so we're, I don't even know if I can express it. It, it comes and goes. We, we focus in on how we want other people to treat us. And I'm, I'm putting myself in African-American shoes right now. We're focused on how we want other people to treat us and we demand respect. But we, at the same time, our own community is not doing it for ourselves. We're not respecting ourselves. We are treating ourselves worse than they are treating us. And so I can't, I keep going back and forth. Is this the right thing? Are we focused on the right thing? Should we be focused on this? Or is all this attention in the wrong place? We should be on the other side of it. And I go back and forth and I swear there are answers to the question, but as long as we're doing it the way we're doing it now, nobody's going to get the answers. You, you have to have policemen who are willing to admit that, that they've done something wrong and apologize and try and cross boundaries and work with people. And you at the same time have to have the great black community and the great black people out there stand up against their own group of people who are, who are causing their problems and making them look bad. And those two things have to happen together in order for some of this stuff to, to really be resolved. And I, I just don't know if it'll happen. It sounds like that's probably a conversation that's come up in your other podcast. It, yes, definitely. Yeah, it, it's a passion point of mine for sure. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down, um, and, and this is probably interesting to white guys talking about Black Lives Matter, but <laughs> I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to people treating each other with respect and taking out like the ego portion of it. Because at the, at the end of the day, like I'm a, just a huge proponent of this idea of like love conquering all, but it's got to be universal love and unconditional love and forgiveness so all this stuff has to come into play and we're all at different places along those paths yeah so a lot of times i think it's just a matter of talking about it and people realizing that you are coming into the conversation with an open mind and you're not attacking and i think a lot of times people are just so fixed on getting ready for an argument that they're just in that mode the minute the conversation comes up but if you don't give them anything you know if you don't add fuel to the fire and you don't give them that other half of, of, of the argument that they were looking for, it sort of def, you know, deflates that balloon a little bit, and then you can get to a point where you're having sane and, and rational uh, conversations like you were mentioning. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, unfortunately, we've got to get to a point where people aren't taking actions that are adding fuel to the fire because words aren't necessarily the problem, but now... I don't know how much the news you watch, but now every time policemen are trying to do their job, you have people in their face making it hard to do their job 
does anybody think that's going to lead to less animosity? Yeah. Really? Is that how we're going to solve this? No. Yeah. So, yeah. So there you go. I I could probably (laughs) change my mind again on the topic on your show, like within five minutes. I probably could. No, I'm I'm sure you – well, you gave a well-thought-out answer, and that's always what I'm looking for when I ask those types of questions. And just – you know, it runs the gamut of people play back the response to that type of question. It it literally like the lighthearted thing to, you know, uh, topics as serious as as Black Lives Matter. And and you never know what you're going to get. And that's what's the beauty of it is that it reflects what's on the mind of the host at the time that I ask the question. So. So, uh, so I'll just ask one last one to hopefully li- lighten things up. Uh, and, 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 and <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't okay. mean to drag you down. <laughs> no, I like it because it adds just more context and, and more um, makes the conversation much more interesting, which is, of course, uh, something that I'm that I'm always interested in. Um, sure. Name one guilty pleasure. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, as as an obviously fat dude, I gotta say, food, man. We well, gotta get you gotta get specific. Oh, we do. <laughs> can't just okay. say food. Do you guys have Publix where you are? I used to live in Atlanta. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, Publix has the best bakery in the world. Uh, so I've read in Consumer Reports. They they rate supermarkets on all their different factors, right? Really? Cleanliness, service, all this stuff. And bakery is one of their factors. And you have two companies, Publix and this place called Wegmans, which apparently is a Northeast kind of place, where their bakeries score like 90-plus points. And every other's is like 50 or lower. Uh, so Publix makes the most outstanding apple fritters you've ever had in your freaking life I can buy a box of four of those and eat them all before the next morning, man. They are amazing. So yes, I, I, if I, if I were to pass away over some obesity related function, somebody <laughs> send the bill to Publix because they did it to me. <laughs> well, we have to be careful how, how we uh, express our passion for those, because if we don't do it correctly, then there's no way I'm going to get Publix as a sponsor for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, trust, trust me, if you're, if you're in good shape and you can handle it, man, Publix Bakery is where it's at. <laughs> it's so funny, like when we met, we stumble onto a brand name in the mention of some of these shows sometimes and i'm it's podcaster talking to podcaster so inevitably we're like whoa listen listen let's let's get that link over to Publix. let's have them link see the power <laughs> of podcasting to promote their apple fritters so uh, i'll see if i remember yeah, I, I remember it's to tweet great. out about that <laughs> you know we did that once we gave a free advertisement to a company called liberty bakery uh it's a total mom and pop local place here in town but chris um asked for a special order of snickerdoodles from them. And I've never had a snickerdoodle in my life that I liked. They were always these crispy cinnamon sugar cookies that came there hard and, and whatever. So he had, he, he brought these over and he said, Jonathan, you got to try the snickerdoodle. I'm like, it's a snickerdoodle, dude. Why would I, I am not trying the snickerdoodle? He's like, just do it. And so I take a bite and my world changed. I swear, man, it was soft and it was like they used a full stick of butter in each cookie. It was just the softest, tastiest, best cookie I've ever had in my life. And I, immediately I was like, hey, 
we've got to tell people about Liberty Bakery because this is outstanding. And so it's out of the blue. It's like free ad. We're doing this. Did you end up telling them? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Very cool. It's like, hey, go listen to episode number, whatever it was. We talked about your cookies. You're going to love it. Well, that's a that's a fun story, and I think it's just something that we as podcasters do, and 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 I'm sure it's an, it's another way, you know, to get people to listen to podcasts who otherwise would not have listened to one. Exactly. Who knows? I might have Liberty Bakery uh, employees who are big fans of the show now. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think uh, it's safe to say that we covered the gamut of topics on this uh, <laughs> on this interview. <laughs> I think that's fair. And so I hope the listeners got to learn a little bit more about you. I learned a little bit more about you, and I'm really happy because that's that's part of why I do it. It's a bit selfish. I just want to get to know my fellow podcasters a little bit more. So uh, I definitely did that, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. It was an honor to be asked to come on, Harry. I appreciate it. So what's the best place for folks to track you down? Uh, if they do social media at Trivial Warfare or just Trivial Warfare is the easiest way to find me. If you listen to the show and you want to be engaged, Trivial Warfare Army is the name of our group. Search Trivial Warfare Army on Facebook, and you'll find the coolest community of listeners, uh, friends now, truly, you'll ever meet. A really great group of people. That's amazing. I highly encourage folks to check it out. Check out the podcast you're you're if if you're feeling depressed and you need someone to cheer you up listen to a couple of episodes the rest of your day is going to go amazingly well (laughs) and you'll be smarter (laughs) and you'll be smarter we're giving you free information exactly thanks again jonathan i hope you have a fantastic night awesome thank you harry wow we clocked in a long one there but there were so many interesting streets we went down with uh jonathan that i I didn't i felt like i just had to leave it all in because i think you needed to see the 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 full picture wow we covered a lot there didn't we and i think i had to leave it all in Um, we went down several different paths and none of which i expected and i think it just all points to uh, a well-rounded picture of who jonathan is what a a big heart he has and how much you can learn about your your fellow podcasters if you just uh dig deep enough or just take enough of an interest of the things that are are important to them and i feel like like that's that's what happened on this episode so i won't keep you guys too much longer we are a member of podcastica head on over to podcastica.com see all the shows in the fantastic network outro and intro music by cedar and soil and uh, if you made it this far, then you're waiting for the hashtag. And for this episode, we'll do uh, hashtag Ask Jonathan in honor of the uh, trivia game, the Trivial Warfare uh, game. And uh, you can tag him at Trivial Warfare on Twitter. So again, my only request is right now to leave some comments on SpeakPipe. So head on over to the website. To the the tab to the right is the SpeakPipe button press that you can leave uh, a message and i'll start playing them in this episode thanks again for all your support and uh, don't forget to check out pod funnel sponsor for the episode it's the place where you can get a little bit of um, freedom from using all this time that you have available to to spend with your family and spend with your friends instead on your podcast because it's your passion right 
So the reason I created the tool is to automate a lot of the features that podcasters do on a regular basis, including sending your um, podcast episodes to WordPress automatically and picking the player of your choice, getting the the audio over to Libsyn, posting it to uh, YouTube and SoundCloud, and even, even scheduling your first week of tweets for you. So those are just some of the features that we're launching with and we're adding new social platforms as we go. If you're interested in coming on board as a pioneer, these are these are uh, friends who are going to help me test out the application. And um, there's a special offer, one-time investment, and you are a member for life. No more monthly recurring charges. It's just uh, my way of partnering with you to help me develop it out and make it the best it can be for all podcasters. So check it out, podfunnel.com, and you can sign up there. Thanks again for all your time, guys. Uh, next week, we speak to the Matt Moore of the Ask Maddie show. Hilarious and explicit at the same time. Um, I can't wait for you guys to hear that. Have a fantastic day.